Good day, my name is Sam Westrop. I am the director of the Islamist Watch Project and welcome to the Middle East Forum's regular series of webinars. I'm delighted to be joined today by Anaf Kallen, who will be speaking to us on the subject of deceitful Islamists, the interestingly interesting rise in the examples of falsified or seemingly falsified hate crimes. And this is a subject we've written and talked about a bit before, but Anaf, let's head straight into it. Um, Anaf is a writer and a researcher. Um, he contributes to the Focus on Western Islamism, our counter-Islamist publication, and uh, is a contributor to a variety of prominent uh, mainstream media outlets around the country. Um, Anaf, uh, tell us about um, this rather interesting sheikh you've been writing about in recent uh, days, uh, Uthman ibn Farouk. Um, who is he? Where does he come from? And what sparked your interest in this man? Yes, um, Uthman ibn Farouk is a preacher who is based in San Diego, California. He is uh, perhaps best well known for uh, his street dawah, where he sets up a booth on the streets of San Diego, and he will proselytize Islam, and he will uh, debate people of other faiths. Uh, Uthman ibn Farouk, in March of this year, had claimed publicly that he was stabbed by a knife-wielding man shouting anti-Muslim slurs at him. And after he reported on this incident, uh, it had gone viral. It was reported across the globe in a very short amount of time. It reached as far as South Africa and Nigeria. But uh, I saw the video of the alleged incident after it had gone viral. And right away, it just did not pass the sniff test for me. Uh, there were way too many red flags from the questionable blood you see in the photo he posted immediately after the attack, the uh, lack of an actual video documenting the altercation, the way that he would later speak about the incident publicly, uh, it just didn't add up. And so curious to find answers as to what actually happened, I first searched through the San Diego City's public records database and I found nothing. And so then I contacted the San Diego Police Department who told me that Uthman uh, never even so much as filed a police report to them about the incident. Uh, after I reported these findings in an article at FWI, Uthman ibn Farouk chose to double down on his story. He basically claimed that he didn't file the report with the San Diego Police Department, but rather with a uh, with another police department within the greater San Diego County. He also came up with this uh, very lazy excuse that if he were to release any details about the incident or about his attacker, who is now supposedly in jail, then his own personal information might get leaked and his security would be compromised because uh, apparently Islamophobes would uh, come after him. Uh, now, uh, since Uthman had specifically named the San Diego County, I decided to get in touch with the San Diego County's district attorney's office. And once again, they told me that they have not received any records from this case from any law enforcement agencies in the entire county. Hey, interesting. And so 
Well, I mean, quite a few questions come out of this, but one, I think that's the key one, is why was the media so willing initially to believe the Sheikh's claim to have been attacked? Um, what, why, why was there an initial rush to report? Was there any skepticism from local media, from, from international media about this? Uh, you know, once it was uh, reported that this incident likely never took place, uh, we didn't really get many retractions or clarifications or uh, any edits to any uh, mainstream reporting on this story. Uh, I feel that is because uh, oftentimes the mainstream media is also complicit in trying to paint a certain narrative. Uh, we saw this with that infamous Jussie Smollett hoax, and it's the same narrative that these Islamists are trying to portray. Uh, before the details are even released, they will jump on these stories. And uh, deep down, I, I personally think that it's because they desperately want these hoaxes to be true so that they can effectively portray the world as us versus them or as, uh, you know, we are the victims, they are the oppressors. It's very easy. Uh, that narrative is very effective. Uh, in bringing people to your cause when people uh, see you as the perceived victimized underdog in any mm. circumstance. Now, I should mention to the audience, if you if you have questions for uh, Anav as we discuss this, please um, uh, use the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen, type a question, I'll be able to see us, and I'll, I'll try to get to it in, in, in due course. Uh, Anav, I understand you recently attended a conference where this the Sheikh Ibn Farouk was was speaking. Did you ask him there about uh, these claims, about his his claims to have been stabbed, and, and your findings that he may have made the whole thing up? Yeah. So uh, last weekend, uh, Uthman Ibn Farouk was one of the speakers present at a Salafist Islamist convention in my city in Colorado. Uh, it was called Ilmakan, and so I purchased a ticket to this event in hopes that I could ask Uthman directly about the incident. And so Sunday evening, when I was finally able to ask my question, predictably, Uthman was unable to provide uh, a single answer. Instead, he resorted to shouting. He resorted to uh, name calling. He called me a liar. He called me an Islamophobe. Uh, at one point, in a desperate last-ditch effort to uh, dodge the question, he even claimed at one point that uh, these people write for these same websites that also claim that school shootings involve paid actors, which uh, I shouldn't have to say is absolute nonsense, but it's just uh, another tactic that he was using to, to dodge the question once again. Okay, so we have this situation. We have a very prominent street preacher seemingly faking a stabbing attack on himself along with a video and a huge amount of press. We have that video now apparently exposed. Um, and we have him getting very defensive in public, uh, calling you a, a, a liar and so on. Will there ever be a reckoning for someone like Ibn Farouk, who lies, who deceives his way into claiming that the, the Islamophobia problem is so great that he is literally being stabbed as he tries to carry out his preaching on the streets of San Diego? Well, you know, there. Uh, in in his particular case, I, I, I believe that the answer is no, because uh, I don't know what further recourse uh, exists for Uthman Farouk. Uh, the San Diego Police Department, the San Diego County District Attorney's Office, a number of other local police departments have all 
uh, said the exact same thing, which is they, they have, they've not even heard of this incident. They have no recollection or, or any record of this ever taking place. So I think this is why uh, Uthman ibn Farouk and other people who do these things, uh, this is why they resort to uh, the, the things that they're doing right now. All they can do is deflect and call their critics liars, call their critics uh, Islamophobic, uh, because he knows, I'm sure, deep down that uh, that that's all he can do. Um, if 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 he really wanted to clear his name and set the record straight, it, it would have been very easy to provide uh, even a name, uh, any piece of information pertinent to the case. But he's been uh, he's been unable to do that. Mm. And I suppose even if we can't see evidence of it, there'll be plenty of ordinary Muslims out there, moderate, regular Muslims who become aware of your your writings, become aware of your your pieces, and someone like Ibn Farouk will be less welcome in their in their their mosque, in their community center, uh, and so on. So perhaps his reckoning is a slow burn, a more long term, uh, pernicious revenge than 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 <laughs> something we can see and, and and claim credit for. But this is this is fascinating because. A lot of Islamist groups in this country, and I'm sure our listeners will be aware of, of, of this, have, uh, you know, they spend a great deal of time justifying their existence because of this apparent vast Islamophobia threat, as they call it. Now, there's no doubting that there is occasionally violence against Muslims and some horrific violence of that by very unpleasant, dangerous, uh, 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 radical networks of other, of other sorts. Um, but is this happening on a scale that people like Ibn Farouk or groups like the Council on American Islamic Relations would like us to believe? Is this is this is this happening on scale? Is Ibn Farouk just the exception, and most of the, all the other incidents are are genuine? Do you think, or or should we be more skeptical of his claims of an onslaught of Islamophobic attacks across America? Well. Um... Ibn Farouk's incident is certainly not uh, certainly not the exception in that uh, while absolutely these these attacks against Muslims absolutely happen um, to a scale that we may not know, but it is very common, very frequent that we have had these instances of Muslims staging uh, anti-Muslim acts that. Uh, end up getting debunked. But nevertheless, you have groups like CARE, like you just mentioned, you have uh, uh, MPAC, the Muslim Public Affairs Council, who also will run with these stories uh, without checking them, without uh, without a moment of scrutiny. Uh, and these fake uh, Islamophobic hate crimes happen much more frequently than I would say real ones do from what I from what I've gathered here. Uh, for instance, in 2016, a Muslim student in Louisiana reported that she was approached by two males, one wearing a Donald Trump hat and the other shouting racial and religious slurs at her. Uh, she claimed that the two men forced her to give them her wallet and her hijab. Uh, later, she was charged by the police department for filing a false report when it was revealed that uh, that this never likely took place as this whole thing was staged and set up. Uh, another instance that really stands out here, uh, very similar, a year later in 2017, uh, a Muslim student at San Diego State University had reported that two men had approached her 
after allegedly making comments about Islam and Muslims and about Donald Trump. But this time, not only did the girl claim that the two men who approached her uh, stole her purse and her backpack, but she also initially reported that they stole they stole her car. Uh, she later redacted this part, but a later investigation, uh, after later investigation, uh, it was determined that the investigators on the case were confronted with a hoax. The victim of the alleged incident stopped cooperating with law enforcement altogether. And there are so many similar cases just like this one, so many manufactured hoaxes. Uh, but what's most remarkable to me is that they invent so many hoaxes and they are so dependent on these hoaxes to push their agenda and construct their narrative, of course, with the help of groups like CARE and MPAC and others. And yet they still have not worked out how to make uh, these fake hate crimes even remotely believable for the most part. So just to dive in, if you had to hazard a guess, why does it benefit Islamist groups to portray this deeply dangerous Islamophobic society? In other words, why does it benefit Islamist groups that they are the victim? Do, do you have any thoughts on that? Or why does that help them to be the victim? Uh, well, it, it certainly helps them in the current climate and certainly in the climate of the last presidential uh, cycle of the last presidency. Uh, so many of these cases involve uh, Donald Trump or, in, or they involve this uh, this enigmatic sort of boogeyman of these racist, white, you know, usually Trump-supporting men. Uh, it plays very well to them in, in, in these times because, for the, well, well, it plays very well for them for the same reason that the Jussie Smollett hoax played out so well for Jussie Smollett until it was revealed that it was entirely a hoax. Uh, people, you know, whether they know that these things are... Uh, truthful or whether they have any idea that they might be staged, that doesn't stop them from exploiting them and using them to 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 just ride them to their political, excuse me, to ride them to their political ends, which could be, uh, you know, an anti-Trump thing. In these cases, uh, they just want to paint a narrative using facts that don't exist to paint a picture that is not supported by reality that that if you are a Muslim, if you're a practicing Muslim, let's say if you wear your hijab, uh, then you should prepare to be the victim of this next incident. You should you should be on the lookout. You should effectively be paranoid that some knife-wielding Islamophobes are going to attack you or steal your purse or what have you. Mm. So just a reminder to the audience. If you do have questions uh, for Mr. Callum, please do use the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. And Stephen Gerzov writes, and he says, uh, we need an acronym for this type of, of, of hoax, a word we can use to, to embarrass them for, for carrying this out in the first place, uh, for, not, for the media not following up on it, and for the idea that Islamophobia is being driven uh, 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 by this, this, this failure to to hold uh, deceitful Islamists accountable. Um, but but I, I, yeah, it's, it's, there's obviously, this is obviously a phenomenon. You've come up with quite a few examples and I'm sure there are others. And I, I believe we've discussed and written about some of those other examples in various pieces of the Middle East Forum uh, in, in, in the past. Um, so whether we have a term for it or whether we just draw attention to it, um, there's clearly an effort to be made here, but, but Stephen goes on to say, 
we need serious prosecution for people filing these false claims or making these 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 false claims. Now, I guess that would apply if they're actually reporting this to the police. But in Ibn Farouk's case, right, we don't think he even went to the police. There was no contact with law enforcement. That that was made up as well. His claims, we believe, his claims that that he said. So so I mean. I mean, we already spoke about a reckoning, but is there anything more that, that Muslims should be doing, ordinary, moderate Muslims who are sick of this from their self-appointed Islamist leaders? Is there anything more that we should be doing? Is there anything that journalists should be doing, aside from being better at their jobs? Uh, who is not doing what here? Uh, you know, I think all of those groups of people that you just mentioned there are uh, are two, to varying degrees equally guilty of doing the same thing. Uh, journalists and, in these cases, Muslim communities, Muslim advocacy groups, uh, nonprofits, none of them bother to employ even just the slightest amount of uh, skepticism or, you know, or, or even just a basic rudimentary journalistic questioning process to... Uh, you know, to get even even if it if for nothing else than to to just get the details of these incidents and these attacks, but uh, they don't do that. Uh, and I'm uh, perhaps speculating here, but I think journalists oftentimes don't do that because they have a, a very attractive story that will surely go viral and get plenty of clicks. But Muslim communities don't do that because they already have their narrative from the moment that they read this news report, which which the journalists in question here uh, did very little to, to corroborate and actually verify. They run with these, whether it's true or not. And frankly, I don't think they care if it's true or not. There's been past instance, instances where representatives from the Muslim Public Affairs Council have, have basically justified these fake anti-Muslim hate crimes uh, by saying something along the lines of, uh, let's say that it's the climate that is making these people do these things. It is the the constant fear of of Trump and of Trump supporters that would drive somebody to do this. But there's there's no skepticism and there's also no accountability after the fact. Okay. Now, the groups we've mentioned, groups like CARE, groups like MPAC, a lot of these I think our listeners will know or be familiar with the idea that this is part of, of an Islamist network in the United States called the Muslim Brotherhood. But Uthman ibn Farouk is not the Muslim Brotherhood, is he? He, he comes from a more Salafi style thinking. And, and just while, you know, while we've got you, um, uh, you attended this conference in Colorado that you mentioned. Um, this was not your typical run-of-the-mill Islamist conference. It's not the Islamists that most of our listeners are familiar with. These were hardcore Salafis, I believe. Um, uh, tell us, tell us about this conference. Is is this what were they saying? And do people like Farouk? Uh, does he does he have a particularly large network on which his his sort of extreme uh, ideology is, is is being pushed in advance? Does he have a serious network behind him yeah this uh this conference was interesting while in person and even as these events were happening uh in the building and on the live stream there were very very few people present or watching considering uh some of the speakers that were present uh with uthman ibn farouk he is actually a very uh well-known pretty famous uh islamist preacher across the globe 
his his One Message Foundation YouTube channel, his his organization has hundreds of thousands of subscribers and viewers. Uh, all of his social media posts are met instantly with thousands of commenters singing his praise. And that's been very evident throughout this whole investigation and this whole ordeal. Uh, you could debunk Uthman ibn Farouk's claims very easily and provide evidence, and yet his strong and extensive army of supporters just seems to cast all of the evidence aside because they they just so desperately want his story to be true. Uh, this was uh, this seemed to be the case for the most part at this conference I attended this weekend. Uh, while there was definitely a a a strong amount of expressed support for Uthman ibn Farouk. There was also a interesting equal amount of uh, division that took place within this conference when another uh, notable Islamist called Daniel Hakikachu uh, at this conference, they had set up an entire panel basically challenging Hakikachu's views and his positions and some of the claims he's made. Video of this altercation of this uh, of this confrontation it was posted to YouTube. It's received like nearly fifty thousand views to date, and all of the hundreds of comments seem to be overwhelmingly in support of Hakikachu and actually against Uthman ibn Farouk. So I am curious to uh, to see how some of these divisions play out, uh, especially uh, in light of the events of this conference this weekend. I see. So. It's possible that should uh, additional internal Islamist divisions continue to grow, continue to flourish, that these ostensibly or, or seemingly faked hate crimes that Farouk relies on to advance his own brand may end up working against him. We may find at some point uh, Islamists even citing our material perhaps uh, as part of these disagreements, which is which is something we have seen before, I think, in other countries. So this is fascinating. Um, we have had a couple of questions just asking uh, again about what is the, the who is the target for these these faked uh, seemingly faked uh, uh, incidents it just about uh, uh, fellow Muslims fellow Islamists uh, but then a few people ask well or is this more about the American political systems it's a way to to embarrass the right and someone even asks is this a way to embarrass President Trump which I think is is, is quite a question. Um, so, so uh, enough. What, what do you think? Is this all about internal Muslim politics, or is this about wider, broader societal and political uh, stuff as well? Yeah, you know, with the, uh, I, I, I do think it's a little less about internal Muslim politics with regards to uh, these uh, these hate hoaxes, these fake hate crimes. I think most of these hate crimes that they stage are more aimed at. Uh, Yes, the political system. We saw many, many claims of uh, Trump supporters or, or people wearing Trump hats or people, uh, you know, espousing pro-Trump rhetoric that all turned out to be false. But it's a very common theme stringing all of these separate incidents together. Uh, like I mentioned a moment ago, I think no matter what Uthman ibn Farouk says or any of these people who are staging these hate crimes say, there will always be a certain dedicated fraction of their followers who will uh, who will just follow and believe everything they have to say, no matter what. Uh, but uh, 
as a whole, I think most of this is certainly more politicized against the American right. In many cases, uh, against the American left, really anybody who has been critical of Islam or Islamism, using these manufactured hate crimes, they uh, th these people now have ammunition to say that uh, this leads to this, and before you know it, you have people stabbing you and stealing your car because they are Islamophobes. And uh, thank you for your time. Um, where can our listeners go to read your your writings and to to follow your work? Yes, uh, so I uh, I am a regular contributor at the Focus on Western Islamism publication, uh, which is probably the uh, the most pertinent writings. Uh, on topics like these. Uh, I write on my Substack page. It's just my first and last name, anafkalam.substack.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. It's my first and last name, anafkalam. Okay. Okay, Anaf, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, to everyone else, thank you very much for joining another Middle East Forum webinar. This is a regular series. If you would like to sign up to learn about additional webinars, please do so at meforum.org. Thank you very much and have a, a delightful weekend. Bye-bye.